0: Welcome to episode 60 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Jeannie Wu. Hey, how's
1: it going?
0: And Andrew Brown.
1: War Groove!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, someone's excited. Uh, And yeah, so we're going to talk about (laughs) War Groove. War Groove! groove. Tangle Deep. (laughs) Uh, But not Tangle Groove, as I said last week when I got both. Franchises mixed up. Uh, we're going to talk a bit on Tales of Vesperia, Feudal Alloy, uh, Dragon Marked for Death, Smugglecraft, and Downwell. So, let's get right into our updates from the previous episode. So, just the one update from me this week, I think. Uh, I have finished Dark Souls, Woo-hoo! finally. You're free! Uh, I loved it. You'd think that. Uh, but you know how when you beat it, it just puts you straight back into another game.
1: Yeah. Oh no. And uh, Andy? no, no, no. no Andy? it gets worse.
0: It get it gets way worse than what you're thinking. Uh. Um, and you know, you like you get seventy two thousand souls from beating uh, the final boss. So I was like, okay, let's let's get to the first bonfire so I can cash these in so I get to the you asylum died, bonfire. Didn't you? No, 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 no. <laughs> So I, I get I get to the first bonfire, but of course leveling up isn't enabled from the asylum one. Uh huh. So I beat the first boss, hit him in like beat him in four hits, yeah. which was awesome. Got to Firelink Shrine, and then I was like so tempted to start a new game plus immediately from that point, uh, but instead I thought no, I'll put it away, and I'll just restart the game on PS4 instead. Oh, so... Andy. <laughs> It's because I want to do a full series playthrough, and at this stage, I have no idea if the rest of it's coming. To Switch, I think two will definitely come. We'll see about three. Uh, so yeah, so that that's my plan. I'm going to be doing that on the side of Switch stuff. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm obsessed about it. It's great.
2: You're six years too late to be part of the problem.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say the discourse around this game has already slowed to a snail's pace. Like,
0: ah, <laughs> uh, but the trilogy is launching on other platforms with the uh, with the soundtrack and all three games and all DLC, so that might come back up again. I- I'm rekindling the bonfire of chats.
1: <sighs> all right. Okay. Okay. So, good luck with that. Yeah. So. So. Um, next week we sign Andy up for Dark Souls Addicts Anonymous. And, um,
0: <laughs> well, we we did workshop the idea of renaming the show as the Sif Focus podcast, but yeah. uh, Andrew threatened to quit. So, uh, we decided to shelve that one for the time being. My chance will come. Otherwise, I'll just start going door to door. But um. <laughs> anyway, so with that out of the way, uh, let's get on to the latest Switch news. And the only news we got this week is that Piranha Plant is finally available in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Have either of you tried him? Or they?
1: I think it's they. I think someone looked it up and it's they. But don't quote me on that. I didn't look it up myself. I saw it anecdotally. Um, No, I haven't tried Piranha Plant. But I've seen some really, really great videos um, of Piranha Plant being just really, really cheesy. So yeah, this is the kind of character I would play.
2: (laughs) I played through classic mode with the Piranha Plant, and it's one of my better runs through classic mode. I got a 9.3 on it at the end, but it didn't inspire me to come back to playing the game. <laughs> I just, I think that's going to be it for a little while, at least. I don't know when I'm going to come back to Smash Brothers.
0: When they bring out that second story DLC that I, I've i decided that's going
2: to happen. Could happen.
0: Yeah. I think so. Hey, they did it with Splatoon and no one was expecting single player content for that a year after release, so Yeah, and that's that's it for news, bit of a slow new week. There was some financial updates, they've they're doing well but downgro- downgraded their um expectations or something, but it's still looking pretty rosy for the Switch overall. So we'll we'll just jump right into what we've played this week. <laughs> Okay, we're going to kick things off by talking about Tangle Deep. So, uh, PR were kind enough to send us three codes Mm -hmm. for this one. Thank you. Um, You're the best. Thank you. Uh, That's a disclaimer. Uh, (laughs) So, we. uh, I'll start, we'll just give it a bit of an overview. So, it's a a turn based dungeon crawler. If you've played Quest of Dungeons, or what's that one with music that you told me I should play, Andrew? Crypt of the
2: Necrodancer. Yeah, Crypt of the Necrodancer, yeah.
0: Bit like that, but um it's a lot more in depth, certainly, than Quest of Dungeons, which for the record I love. You know, it's an, it's it's simple but really cool. Um Yeah, there's a lot lot to this one. Uh so you're basically you start off at this this camp and then you go into like the Tangled area and you sort of just work your way through H level trying to survive, it's a roguelike. The, you have the option of like a safe mode and uh, permadeath. I went with permadeath. Did you, Andrew?
2: I wasn't going to, and then I got to the screen that described the three different modes you can play as. There's the easy mode, where if you die, you just go back to the start of the floor you were on, and you lose like half of your XP, which is actually a really big deal, but not as big a deal as the heroic mode, which keeps all of your progress in town but it does make you start a new character and then there's the hardcore mode which nukes your entire save file whenever you die haven't touched that but i'm playing it on heroic mode uh because it said that was the intended way to play Tangle deep so i was like okay i'll play it that (laughs) way
0: Uh, i did that too on the basis that if i find out that i just really suck at it i'll just go back and Start again on on the easy mode just to see it through. It's not that bad. Um, wow! Well. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's really cool that you're not just sort of working out the squares and a movement of enemies and dodging their attacks. You've also got a bunch of like more traditional RPG abilities where you can do your own area of attacks. You can sort of buff yourself or that sort of thing. There's a whole range of classes. Uh, I've gone with the easier one, which I think was paladin.
1: And, yeah, I played Paladin um, as well, because I was not confident in my ability, <laughs> let's just say. I
2: played as the bandit the most, but the last oh. character I made it was a paladin, and that's staying alive a lot better than my bandits were.
0: <laughs> now, um, when I started, I found it a little bit obtuse in terms of uh, the things it tells you. Like, it took me forever to work out how to do range attacks. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't mm, tell you I, at um, all. Um, once I figured that out, I found I fared a lot better because I was able to chip away at enemies before they could even reach me, which was cool. Um, the other thing you can do is you can actually capture the wildlife. Yeah. Um, and then there's a little pet mini mechanic thing where you can feed them and groom them and then take them out battling with you. Uh, that that seems to be one of those persistent things because I'm pretty sure one of my buddies died, but it was still in the pen Oh, when I had to start again. Oh, it was still yeah. in the
2: pen. Yeah, I... I haven't been taking my pets out because I assumed that if I died, then they would die as well. Uh...
0: Now i I died at the same time, so it's either that they just restore anyway, or that maybe um, it was because maybe I died first and it mm. registered that. But it, he was there on my second second run through. Uh, and I took him back out again Because so, I felt oh. empowered by the fact that I wasn't going to lose him <laughs> I need to <laughs> actually be
2: using my pets I guess <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: they're, they're a big help too um, I think There's meant to be some sort of system where like, If you don't look after them very well They don't—they won't help you out as much mm. um, I'm only going by what the character told me Because there was nothing, again, really Explained, system-wise Uh at any point you can take a portal back to like the camp area to get supplies and stuff you can't heal there, but you can cook food and things, well, you can get you, you can heal. buy new abilities. I couldn't refill the their version of whatever the well it's like the Estus Flush from Dark Souls. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, but if you uh
2: If you talk to the the turtle priest, he can heal you but he charges yeah. you for it and it costs more every time he does it.
0: Yes, you know you're right. I did do that. But it's I, not like a hoping...
1: bank-breaking amount, though. Like, yeah,
2: it's really small.
1: Yeah.
0: I was hoping I could re- refill my flask then, but then be, there'd be no challenge <laughs> so... I,
2: I barely use the flask to heal. I mostly use food to heal.
0: Yeah, I should start doing that. I've I've been using the flask yeah. quite quite heavily. Yeah, the, I, it always the... starts off where I get a bunch of like refills, and that you basically you find fountains mm-hmm. around the place, and they refill it, and it's it stacks. Um, And I get a heap of those, like I had 12 on my second
2: run, and then they yeah. were all gone. I think the you character know. I'm going now has almost 50 flask charges, because the flask is a more effective healing item than the food, so I'm actually saving it for when I really need it, and yeah. I haven't really needed it. Because <laughs> food is actually pretty effective too, especially if you get some of the higher-end recipes, and you start yeah. really exploring the food crafting system, you can make really good food that is almost as good as the flask. So the flask is just kind of my emergency button.
0: I'm still at this point where I'm just, with the cooking stuff, I'm just throwing whatever Mm -hmm. into a thing and hoping it gives me something (laughs) okay.
1: But it's so fun. Like, it reminds me of, like, cooking in Breath of the Wild. Like, the the level of involvement that you need. Yeah, it's really good. I really enjoy it.
0: Um, The power-up system, uh, I'm I'm really enjoying that, adding, like, new abilities to Mm -hmm. my... Uh, repertoire and the, the cooldown period seem pretty generous. Mm-hmm. I find, um, and you can you can get really powerful really quickly. Uh, now, Andrew, you got here on the notes that you've already beaten the first boss. Yes, uh, I got there and I got steamrolled because <laughs> I completely completely screwed up my my attempt on that, and then I got distracted because my stupid frog died, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> Yeah, I, it was just like this one big boss and a whole heap of enemies. And I, it was the other enemies that wore me down more than anything. And then I was out of my flask thing. And yeah, that that was a disaster. Well, I beat the um, boss. See?
2: Sorry, go ahead, finish.
0: No, I was going to say, you, so you're ahead of me now. You're past him. What happens when you when you beat that first guy?
2: Well, I beat the first boss with my one of my bandits. And it did require me to use a lot of the strategy with it. Because if I had just faced him dead on, I would have been destroyed but one of the bandits abilities is actually to drop a smoke bomb that fills a room up so enemies that can't actually see you and you can get easier crits on them so i used that along with my bandits bleed abilities and they can also drop bombs to take out all of the boss's mooks and then i took the boss on just straight on and i barely beat him but i did beat him and once you do it actually opens up more branches in the dungeon when you start your next character uh because when i went back down there when i lost my bandit in the floors even higher than that boss and the difficulty ramps up really quickly so my bandit got just destroyed on the very next floor and then i went back down to the bottom with my new character and oh there's a new area that's opened up in that bridge you go across to get to the cave entrance and that opens up five new floors for you to explore before the boss for ten total between both of the wings that are now available to you. And you also find an item on the boss that lets you activate that portal back in the camp. Maybe you saw that, maybe you didn't. It's down by the uh, by the pet handler character. Yep, yeah. I did see that, yeah. Yeah, that actually opens up things called item dreams where the boss enemies, not, not the boss enemies, but like the the super powerful enemies with the skulls on them they'll start dropping keys for activating that portal and you can actually go inside your items and if you beat a couple floors in there and beat the boss again i keep using boss but uh beat a stronger enemy that's in those portals it actually powers the item up so when i went through with my paladin doing these 10 floors that are now available to me and doing an item dream three different times on the sword that I found, so that way it's a fully upgraded sword. I completely destroyed that boss with my paladin. He went down in like three or four hits. So there's a really good ramp up of power in this game. You just gotta put in the the effort and really apply the strategy and understanding the class that you're playing as to take down that first boss so you can start getting access to more power so you can start handling those floors that come after that boss i'm expecting the whole thing to happen again i'll get up to the next boss and i'll just barely be able to beat him and then there'll be floors past that etc cetera, etc cetera. it's a pretty standard gameplay loop
0: mm. hey, and that uh, going inside your items thing that's uh from another game this guy has done game. it that's the one yeah uh the one i cannot get on with at all <laughs> despite like four attempts and you know what i downloaded it again the other night just oh. it was there. and i got it and i i i really want to get into one i've got i've tried three of them it's just not happening that's by the by um so <laughs> let's talk about uh the visual style and the presentation a bit so um, this is one of those episodes where I'm going to keep getting in trouble for having not played a thing. Yes.
1: Andy. Uh, it's secret happening. Of, Andy. Secret of you, of mana. Okay, no, we had this discussion last time when we talked about Secret of Mana and the remake, and my yeah. feelings are the same. I think we gave you an Ultimatum that episode. We said, Andy, please go away and play Secret of Mana. And I guess you've not listened to us.
0: So... I, I, I sort of just stopped at the "go away" part because that's what I usually get from people.
2: I thought he, I thought he was going to say the other game, which is why I was really enraged. But <laughs> yeah. you know, actually, since Don't we worry. had that, since we've had that conversation, I actually have replayed Secret of Mana, and I, I've cooled on it significantly. So that's all right, <laughs> Andy. You can skip Secret of Mana.
0: No, I do want to play it. Um, however, so it, it's got close ties visually to secret of mana you think same sort of color schemes what is it that evokes those memories for you
2: not so much really secret of mana that was just the one i put down because that's the mana game everybody knows but actually what the sprites remind me most of was actually legend of mana which is a playstation one game
1: oh god too old for me
2: <laughs> jesus christ jenny
1: what <laughs> you, We're old men, Andy. get used to it <laughs> yeah you, you guys are both my dads that's how this thing works
0: well, let us tell you a little thing about how they were back in our day.
1: Yeah. Tell me more about PlayStation One, Andrew.
2: Uh it was polygonal <laughs> and ugly, and I, I really don't know how we ever played games that looked like that.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so it it's got a really um neat art style. It is definitely retro. It's mm-hmm. it's based on SNES style RPGs. Um what I will say is I love the gameplay stuff, I like the animations, mm-hmm. I hate the menu design.
2: It's definitely a menu designed for PC. You can tell.
0: Yeah, I find it really hard to read as well. Like it's very maybe it's just because I'm playing it on a big big screen TV, but it's just blur <laughs> in my face, and it's it's kind of annoying and awkward to work around. Uh, yeah, it sort of it sort of feels like a 90s P- PC game.
2: Yeah, it's, menu wise, it's not as bad as Oblivion, but it's definitely a PC UI that's been abstracted onto a console it's not very user-friendly
0: um but it mostly works once once you learn how to get around it it's it's pretty good overall i think it's just Mm -hmm. that that menu design just does not do it for me but the in-game stuff absolutely beautiful uh i love the music um, and i have played this one Yes. Absolutely, one of my favorite (laughs) games of all time. I did get to it late though, I played it on DS, but uh, yeah, it is very Chrono Trigger styled, uh, sort of rhythmic, uh,
2: yeah, really cool. Yeah, Chrono Trigger is an iconic soundtrack for good reason, but I don't know that I would say that all the songs in this are as good as that, but just the way they sound and the way they're composed and the style they're in. I would totally believe that this songs came from the same game as Chrono Trigger.
0: Yeah, it's def it's a clear inspiration, I
2: think. And they're they're very explicit about that too in their development. I think even on the store pages, it says this is inspired by 16 bit RPGs, and um, yeah, <laughs> they've inspired from some pretty dang good ones.
0: Although I'm disappointed, there's no uh, sort of cover of uh, "Never Gonna Give You Up" by Rick Astley, like there is in Chrono Trigger.
2: Yeah, that's not what Robo's theme sounds like. I know I know, with a thing, but I don't hear it.
0: <laughs> I, I hear it. It, it. It's it's one of those, uh, is the dress blue or gold jobbies. <laughs> it's all I can It's absolutely all I can hear. Okay, Ginny, was there anything you wanted to add on to this one?
1: Um, Not particularly. I haven't really done, I haven't really explored the class challenges. I know that, Andrew, you've noted this down as a thing that you've played with.
2: Yeah, I, I did one in my bandit, and I just got, I got wrecked in there. Yeah, I was
1: going <laughs> to say. <laughs> okay, great. Well, th- that's, I was really going to ask you how those went, because that was sort of next on my to-do list. Um, But noted, I will refrain for the time being.
2: <laughs> well, I think th- the problem was I wasn't following the mission objectives, because the bandit one, it drops you into this environment, and you're supposed to destroy these four crystals that are around. I was trying to fight all the enemies, which is not the mission objective, and the bandit has plenty of abilities that let you bypass enemies, but I was just face-tanking everything, so I'm sure it was just because I wasn't doing it right.
0: Cool. We'll, uh, we'll leave that at that then. Uh, I assume you both liked it enough that you, you're wanting to play more at some point?
1: Yes. Definitely going to keep going. Hardcore.
2: Oh, heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. I highly recommend if you're looking for... We use the word roguelike a lot when we're talking about games, not just on this podcast, but everywhere. This actually is pretty similar to the actual game Rogue, uh, so it's not just hyperbole here. This is a roguelike.
0: Yeah, I'm. it's one of those games where I get uh, crushed by defeat, and it sort of puts me off jumping straight back in again. Uh, so it's the sort of thing I'll play in blasts. I did the same thing with Quest of Dungeons, which I... I got a couple of uh, sort of dungeons or castles into that uh, and before I sort of fell off it. But yeah, it'd be the sort of thing that I, I'll jump in here and there, but I absolutely will keep returning to it. It's, it's just really good for like, having a run when you've got nothing else, else to do.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: let's move on to some other stuff. So there's one on the eShop that looked really interesting to me, which was Feudal Alloy, which is sort of like a platformer with... A goldfish controlling a robotic knight thing. Uh, It looks super interesting. Andrew, you've been playing this one?
2: Yeah, I played it over the the last weekend and I beat it. You know, it's not a bad game, but it has a lot of problems. It's very nicely animated. It's got this really clean and delicate kind of hand-drawn style, and it's got these pastel colors. It really makes everything look look like a storybook, which is kind of what they're going for based on the uh, opening cutscene, but there isn't a lot of enemy variety. You, you, you fight basically the same enemies through the whole time, and they just get bigger and have more hit points the further in you get, and there's very little environment variety. I, I played almost half this game before I ran into an area that wasn't grass and cliffs, that was, I was very concerned for a while that was going to be the entire game, but, and even then, when you get into the deeper stuff, it looks different, but it's the exact same level design throughout, and there's only two bosses, but everywhere else that there would have been a boss in any other game, you, you just get locked in a room with a bunch of monsters, and you have to kill them, and they're the same monsters you've been fighting everywhere else in the game. Mm. Yeah, And uh, I don't think we emphasize this enough, but this is a an adventure platformer style game, you know, like kind of like Metroid or Castlevania. But it doesn't really feel like one because, you know, when you like you can find like a hit point upgrade or a mana upgrade or a, a new missile or something in, in those games. But this game doesn't really have that. It has RPG equipment and a lot of the times when you find it it's not really an upgrade so you spend a lot of time hunting for these upgrades and then it's completely worthless to you or it's it's a a chest with some gold in it so you can buy an upgrade in a shop but none of those are actually upgrades either they're just other things you could switch to if you wanted to Uh, and there's like 10 hidden pendants around the map that you're supposed to find too for 100% completion they don't do anything they're just there so you have more things to find. Uh it, it just it disappointed me overall. Uh, I there's there's again this wasn't a bad game. I'm not mad I bought it, but there's a high mark set for this kind of game now because you got the castlevanias you've got the Metroids, Hollow Knight came out last year as a very similar game and this game just did not meet that bar, which is unfortunate for it, but that's what it is.
0: So it sounds like a an okay game. It just won't blow your socks off.
2: Wait for it to be on sale.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Nice looking art style though. Um, and another one that I'm desperate to play. I'm just not have just haven't got the time at the moment because of my Dark Souls adventures. <laughs> and whose fault is that? It's entirely mine. I'm. I am aware. I know.
1: Self inflicted.
0: But I can stop anytime I want.
2: Sure you can. <laughs> I just don't want to.
0: Um, so, Tales of Vesperia. Uh, I bought it just waiting for that window, but I think I want to get rid of some of my other RPGs first that aren't Dark Souls too. Um t- <laughs> So, Andrew, have you played this one previously? So, it's obviously the remastered version. Uh, came out on all platforms recently.
2: The only other Tales game I've played was Tales of Symphonia. So... Everything that I understand about the Tales series is based off of this game, which is actually very early in the Tales lines of games, and I have kind of missed all of the evolution that's happened between uh, where we're at now and where we're at, Tales of Symphonia. So what I'm about to say will probably be very controversial with longtime Tales fans, but I do not like the free-running system in this game.
1: Really? I hate it oh my god okay it just
2: it's just distracts me and just because in tales of symphonia or in the tales series as a whole they are rpgs so you get into random battles like you do in many other rpgs but in tales of symphonia and in the tales games that preceded it as far as i understand You were just in this 2D plane that you could move back and forth on to avoid enemy attacks when they use them. But then you have to get back into your enemy's face to use a melee attack or further away if you're using one of the ranged characters. And that was it. It's just dealing with a 2D plane. But Tales of Vesperia, and I I guess Tales of the Abyss was the first one that added this, but I haven't played that one. Tales of Vesperia has free running, where if you hold down one of the shoulder buttons, you can move around in an entire 3D space in this battlefield. And it just felt like an excuse to add more enemies. So I get dogpiled a lot now because I'm just trying to fight an enemy and suddenly I've got three other enemies attacking me from two sides. And my brain, still locked into Tales of Symphonia mode, is like, why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. And I just... I'm adjusting to it. 30 <laughs> hours into Tales of Vesperia now, but
0: hmm.
2: in the standard fights against standard enemies, it just feels like a an excuse to just have more enemies, you know, let's do it because we can. Let's not think about if it actually adds anything to the game. And then there are a lot of there are a couple boss fights where you have to actually move to specific areas on the circle to do certain things with the bosses and just Every single time I've run into that, I've not enjoyed it. <laughs> uh Just, like I said, I know that people who have been playing the Tales games and have played all of the post-Symphonia ones are probably screaming bloody murder at me right now. But I just, I really want to go back to the single lane. I just, I preferred it so much more. <laughs> <laughs> but. especially yuri the player character he's a really interesting player character because he's he's a bad boy but he's actually a bad boy he does some stuff you're like the first time he does i'm not gonna say but the first time he (laughs) does the things i was like did that just happen oh my god and then he does more (laughs) i am totally into this game just based on yuri alone uh I I still have a lot to go through with it. Tales games are, they're JRPGs, they're Mm -hmm. 50 to 100 hours long, so (laughs) I don't know when I'm going to finish this, but I'm totally into it. I'm going to stick with it.
0: Nice. So, uh, Ginny, you've been playing a game called Dragon Marked for Death. Was this the one we talked about last week that has the confusing purchasing system? Yes. It's not
2: confusing, it's just unnecessary.
1: Yeah.
2: Confusing and unnecessary.
1: That is the one. <laughs> um, that's been solved now, obviously. There is DLC uh, to purchase the characters that are not in your game. But at the time yeah. of our discussion, uh, we weren't aware of that. So you can buy one version and buy the characters for the other version is DLC. That's fine. Um, hmm, Dragon Marks for Death is in a strange position for me. Um, mainly because... Do you guys remember playing Metal Slug? Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, so it's kind of like the mega it's kind of like a Mega Man Zero Metal Slug-esque 2D um platforming experience. And the reason why I use the Metal Slug comparison is just the frequency of enemies and the way the enemies uh, attack and sequence and kind of move mm-hmm. around. Like mm-hmm. it's sort of like a relentless continuous wave. Um so it, it's not so much like I suppose other 2D platformers by NT Creates which focus more on maybe the platforming than the actual, like, skirmishing. This game is incredibly heavy on the skirmishing. Um, and enemies, you know, the things like projectiles that come from off-screen and demolish you, like like the good old Metal Slug days, like when you're, like, smashing the arcade table, going, where did, where did that nuke come from? You know, like, where did those 20 bullets come from? Like, it's just stuff, a lot of stuff off-screen happening constantly um, that you kind of need to be able to predict, and it's all about learning levels and grinding. And so when I... When you think of a 2D platformer, um, you might think something more like, um, I don't know, one of the Switch's many beautiful, relaxing platforming games. This is not one of those beautiful, relaxing (laughs) platforming games. Um, It is a game that has basically zero plot, but that's fine. It is a need plot. It's not a game that pretends to have a meaningful story. Um, You are basically descended from the forces of evil, which were wiped out by the good millennia ago. And your job is to now grind out powers to do really evil things. <laughs> so that's a whole, that's a whole stick. You are basically running around shooting things um, or slashing things or punching things or, you know, um, just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things. Um, the The one sort of thing I would say though about, about this game is it is, what's the word? it's frustrating it is a grind fest like if you play a jrpg and you're like oh i'm grinding you know if you ever thought oh the last 40 hours of lost sphere oh what a grind have i got bad news for you guys (laughs) this is just (laughs) constant grinding you're literally replaying levels you're literally replaying levels at hard difficulties you are doing the exact same thing like if you memorize the map you are set. You will speed run the same map 25 times over for experience. Yeah. Like that is the level of grinding that we're at. Because while the game's curve is seems decent for about the first 10 or 15 levels, that kind of gets cut in its tracks. Um, but this only happens if you're playing single player. I cannot stress enough. Single player, multiplayer are vastly different experiences. Multiplayer yeah. is vastly better. And I know this will make both of you go, God, because both of you really like playing games single player. But the reality is that the way that the classes are designed and, and balanced, they're balance of multiplayer play. Like I played single player as pretty much all the classes. I tried them all out. There's a really, really tanky warrior class who does pretty much no damage, which makes boss fights in excruciating fashion impossible. But he has a shield that can shield allies. So in multiplayer, I played warrior. And my mate played a witch, which is a high damage DPS class that has to stand still while attacking and so is super vulnerable. But with the two, I just shielded my friend nonstop and we just lasered down all the bosses. So it's just, it's a game that feels like it's meant to be played with two people. Like mm. it meant to have someone take the tank class, someone take the DPS class. The classes work very well in tandem. Like their weaknesses, uh, I would say almost Insurmountable at higher difficulties. Um, you really, really, really have to have impeccable hand coordination and/or input speed to play some of these DPS classes solo. But When it's play with another person, everything clicks. It makes sense. You're like, oh, okay, cool. So that character can, like, you know, less so someone else or jump over this other guy and grapple this character and grapple onto the wall and do that. But alone, they would be getting hit by too many bullets or getting hit by too many enemies. And it just wouldn't be possible to enjoy your class's full capabilities, I think, single player. So that's sort of the one main negative aspect for me is I know how many people like to play single player games and this game is is fun but it is incredibly grindy and it probably difficult if you're not playing it with a mate um so long story short interesting classes interesting design system i really love where indie craze is going with this i really enjoy it but it has not been balanced well for single player so just keep that in mind
2: and i'm out (laughs) so so it's possible that you could buy this game and only have half the characters and kind of get screwed out of only being able to actually deal damage.
1: Um. Well, you would have to the okay. So what they've done is they've, they've split it up sort of in two difficulty levels. I say it because it's how they've demarc- They've ha- that's how the marketer has demarcated it. There's there's advanced fighters which are the more technical, harder to play classes,
2: I and see. then there's the
1: frontline attackers which are the ones that are easier to play. So warrior and ninja are in the easier bracket because warriors one to soak all the damage and then just quite straightforward and the harder classes are witch and um this empress class which is like a demon shooting type thing basically what they do is they split the classes up based on what they think are the easier slash the harder classes so if you don't play these games often i'd start with a quote unquote easier package the frontline fighters because the witch requires a lot of input skill um mm-hmm. you're literally standing still you have to cast stand still to cast spells you can't just if you auto attack your attacks will do like two damage you need to actually like re, you need to remember button sequences to cast spells with
2: so it's like Sabin in Final Fantasy 6
1: yeah like that yeah. So, which is incredibly difficult in like a fast paced constantly moving 2d platforming game where enemies are hitting you with everything all the time so if you get hit your spell cast is interrupted So boss fights are a nightmare if you're doing it solo as a witch because your high level spells take longer to cast. So if a boss is like running around and making you dodge stuff, you can't cast on the move. So, yeah, it's tough, but not unrewarding. It's just I would definitely say if you like the way this looks, please, 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 please. Doubles. St- uh, do it with more than one person. <laughs> do it with a mate, please. It's worth. It is worth it because I'm a sucker for games like this. Like to me, it's worth it because I love these kinds of games, as genre. But if this is not your usual cup of tea, you will struggle so have a single play, it will put you off.
2: swell
0: so <laughs> Andrew, something else you've been playing is Smugglecraft.
2: Yeah, I was just fascinated by this game when it appeared on the eShop last week because it's 11 gigabytes. But it was on sale for three dollars, so I just wanted to know what this huge <laughs> game was like. It's bigger than Breath of the Wild, I think. <laughs> it's it's massive. Hi. So I I, uh, I downloaded it, and it's a I don't want to say it's procedurally generated because I don't know that it is. I noticed a lot of parts in the levels are repeating themselves very soon, but it's definitely got randomly generated levels, and you just play as this smuggler on this planet who gets a really fast car basically and goes around the planet smuggling stuff for people and you get the car from this dealer and you have to pay them back so you have to make enough money in a day to make your payment every day otherwise you get a game over and then you can also use any money you have left over to upgrade your car so it goes even faster and you can do better smuggling jobs and then Every so often you'll get a story mission that advances this plot line on the planet of some kind of oppressed people. I had, a, I had a hard time following it and really keeping track of who the good guys and the bad guys were. It seems like a really good time filler game because all the levels you go through are randomly generated and it's, it's just a, a car racing game where you try to get to a checkpoint without running out of time or as fast as you can, depending upon what the scenario is. And, you know, I paid $3 for it. Uh, it's actually on sale from its usual price. I think its usual price is $12, but uh, it was on sale for $3. So that was why I grabbed it. And <laughs> uh, I I, I don't have a lot to say about it past that. I neither like it or dislike it. But uh, looking at how much money i owed my my uh loan shark i guess uh and how much i was paying him every week like 300 to 400 and i was still owing like 15000 credits <laughs> and when i got to the end of the time that i was playing uh i think that's a game that goes on for quite some time so you know if you're looking for a time filler game and you want to just drive without thinking this seems like a good candidate for it.
0: It just sounds like Han Solo's arc with uh Jabba the Hutt. Uh yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, uh and the, before we get on to Wargroove, which is undoubtedly the big release this week, uh Damnwell also released, which is uh super cheap. Uh, it's widely recommended But I just look at it, and I just don't think it's my type of game. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The premise is that you're going down a well, as the title suggests, and you've got uh, guns on your feet, (laughs) is what I get from it.
2: Yeah. You can also uh, kill enemies by just landing on their heads, and you can actually get kill combos going by dropping down the well and killing enemies and bouncing off their heads or shooting them with your guns. And the further you can go without actually landing on solid ground you get your point meter going higher and higher and there's stuff you unlock like new skins for the graphics and new characters you can play as which slightly alter how many hit points you have or how the character falls but it's 3 bucks and it's a really fast you know arcade style game so it's one of those games where you can just play it for 2 minutes when you have some time but it, you know Uh, If you're going to play that, I recommend Night Terrors, which came out back in 2017 and is still fantastic. And it was actually on sale for 99 cents at the time of this recording. But, you know, Downwell is a cult game for a reason. Uh, It's not really my game, but playing it, I totally get why it has the status it does. Uh, And it's out there. So, you know, if you're into Downwell or you know anybody who is into Downwell, go for it.
0: Sweet. Uh okay, now the big one. Uh War Groove. Yeah, so,
1: War Groove, War Groove, War Groove. Sorry.
0: Uh Ginny has had the benefit of playing it for for review long before us, I think.
1: Lot long before, or maybe longish before. It was like two weeks uh- <laughs> I'm still mad. <laughs> It is. It is. It is really good. Um, I don't. I don't know what else I'm supposed to say apart from it's really, really good. But it is not like Fire Emblem. Let me just get that out of the way first of all. Um,
0: okay. And let me just let me just get a disclaimer out of the way as well. I have not played <laughs> Advance Wars ever.
1: Oh, Andy, stop um, it! You're hurting me physically. Come on.
0: So my my only comp- point of comparison for this game is the same developer's other game, which is Fire Emblem. So, meh. Nah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's a, a turn-based strategy game much in the same vein as Advance Wars. It's got yeah. a similar art style. The reason I think it's drawing the comparison is because of the, its fantasy setting, sort of medieval fantasy. No.
2: It's drawing uh, the comparison and people don't know what the heck they're talking about it. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's more fair than that. It's just not... Advance Wars, as much of a reputation as it has, it was a Game Boy Advance game, and it was later a DS game, and it was a strategy game. So you know, not many people played it, which is fair enough. But people missed out because Advance Wars was awesome.
0: Yep. So it is. It's this bright, colorful, uh, pixel art, turn-based strategy game. Uh, varying sizes of maps you've got little sprites that represent your your little uh platoons for want of a better word or squads Mm. um operates on a similar kind of rock paper scissors thing you you capture buildings to bolster say the money you earn so there's also the financial strategy element that you get from something like command and conquer as a real-time strategy comparison you can uh overtake barracks and in some of the maps I've played there's different ways different ways to win either by taking a building or or beating like the hero or the enemy character sorry or the their commander basically um, now I think I'm still in the realms of the tutorial missions. Mm. Uh, I haven't had a chance to play it as much as I wanted, mainly because it unlocked so late yesterday. Mm. Yeah, uh, it did. I did. I was expecting to play it when I got home because, like, a lot of the stuff in Australia ticks over before midnight of the usual release. This did not tick over till like ten o'clock last night. But um, yeah, I love what I've I've played so far. It's got a, a lot of character. I'm I'm liking the sense of humor in it. Uh, which I think is where its other oh, recent competitor, Tiny Metal, fell flat. Was ugh. There was just no char- character.
2: <laughs> and that, was just, that was just a blah game, which is even more disappointing because they embezzled money to make it. Oh, God. At least if you're going to embezzle money, make Borderlands 2 with it.
1: <laughs> make a good game. <laughs>
2: um, And yeah,
0: so I'll refrain from Fire Emblem comparisons but i was surprised that my uh units didn't level up but uh. i guess here i guess here the main difference is that uh you're not controlling like a, a set of characters there are units that are characters like mercia mm-hmm. um hmm. but for the most part your your army is made up of just faceless soldiers as 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 you would find in war and you know you'll make the decisions to send them to death and just so you can uh win a fight and Uh, the ceos don't care
2: it's kind of (laughs) creepy exactly yeah
0: they 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 wince a little when when someone dies but yeah yeah, that's better um but i yeah digging it so far but you two have played advanced war so maybe you can sort of Give a bit more insight about the comparison there and how it stacks against its inspiration?
1: I would say that War Groove is probably Advanced Wars captured in a way that makes it palatable for <laughs> the current <laughs> consumer, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um I I not that Advanced Wars wasn't good before, but I definitely think that the Everything down to the dogs, to the music, to, yeah. you know, the level editing, to the arcade modes. Like, these are these are modern quality of life upgrades on the Advance Wars formula.
2: Yeah, and there's a whole retro aesthetic that is just, it's very indie, which...
1: Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. which Advance Wars had that too, but it wasn't an aesthetic yet, so...
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I think just kind of consuming it in this day and age, it, it, it has a very different fundamental feel to advance wars so it's i i would want to say it's also a lot more accessible um for me in in particular what Mm. i found really really handy about this game is and also what makes me i guess more confident in recommending it to people that may not play advance wars games um it's just how much you can actually tweak the difficulty of the missions
2: yeah
0: yes i I was going to bring that up it's it's not like a it's not like a hard fast easy medium or difficult you can actually tweak things like how much reward you get uh that sort of thing so you can just tweak a little thing to see if that makes your life a little easier i i haven't had to do any of that yet yeah
1: yeah i haven't i haven't done it either but i think it's it's good to actually have that ability to like you know earn a little earn like a little bit more money or like take a little bit less damage or like have your abilities charge faster or slower and i think that that sort of i guess That that sort of easily customizable feel, obviously, was completely lost in the old Advance Wars games. And we don't have that in Fire Emblem nowadays either. So I think that the game is meticulously designed to be as appealing as possible, to have the most widespread appeal. And so that in itself makes it very different from Advance Wars conceptually. Like People that enjoy Advance Wars, honestly, are sometimes a little bit mean about it. Like, it's one of those things that people are like, oh, you know, I'm an advanced Wars fan. Like, oh, what it was better back in the day? Like, oh, nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. Like, n- nothing is quite cool enough, I suppose. And I think that what War Group is doing is really sort of making sure that it's a game that can be enjoyed by people like that and people that just like dogs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually got a dog unit yet. I have seen one in a cutscene. Andy.
1: They're so good, but they have to work in groups. Which is another thing I think is really, really great in war is class identity um they've really sort of pulled that through here with you know the dogs having to work better in packs and things like that and certain ai working better certain conditions based on their characterization so i really enjoyed that while it may seem like we're dealing with an impersonal commander i think that these small things give our troops character as well and it's a bit underrated that they do this i hope they do it in the new fire emblem but I haven't seen evidence of that yet. But I think that that would be a really good way to do it—to implement that extra bit of connection.
0: Yeah. So, like things like the the pikemen—they do more damage yeah. when there's two of them next to each other or mm-hmm. two squadrons next to each other. Yeah, that's really neat. I'm enjoying like trying to uh, pull enemies into traps so I can spring that on them. Um, the other thing I was going to mention as well, like part of the reason I wasn't going to buy this was because my thought process was I love Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem is coming this year. Do I really wanna we don't know when that's coming out yet either. No. Do I do I really wanna risk, you know, like getting this and then having to drop it later down the line? Um, but they they are absolutely two completely different beasts. Um from my experience with Fire Emblem as well, I actually do tend to care a lot about a lot of the characters and I play with permadeath on in that even though I tend to reload my saves quite a lot. Let's keep that one on the demo.
2: <laughs> Dirty
0: save scummer. Yep, guilty as charged. Um I, I I like the idea of the permadeath thing more than I like the reality. <laughs> but yeah, I do tend to care about the characters whereas this is more just based on it it's, the story focuses on one or two core characters and then the rest is just about the strategy which makes it way more accessible than a fire emblem i I think and i I think that's really cool uh and that's part of the reason why i ended up yielding them and getting it because i definitely had an interest in it i just didn't know if i had room for both of these games in the year and with valkyria chronicles 4 i still haven't beaten
2: yeah Um, (laughs) i should go back to that one one of these
0: days (laughs) Yeah, it's it's one of those, I'm looking through my backlog and it's just like, oh yeah, that's still there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And it's like 50 hours long. Damn.
2: After Tales of Vesperia, maybe. I don't know. There's Final Fantasy Apocalypse coming in April, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Final Fantasy VII is coming soon, no. so I'm pretty, like, great, I'm going to have to buy and play that again, because I will. That doesn't
2: like, mean we'll...
0: anything. Uh, Andrew, you haven't spoke much about it. Uh, general thoughts?
2: I've only played Act 1 of the story, which sounds like maybe as far as you got. I'm about to go into the gloom wood in in the story mode, but at that point, I unlocked Mercia's arcade mode, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna go play that. Uh, Word of warning when you're playing this, if you play Mercia's arcade mode, you get a pretty big spoiler about the campaign story <laughs>
0: Uh,
2: when you get to the end of her arcade mode, which is only five maps long. And I say only five maps, but that was still two and a half hours it took me to get through all of that. Uh but just uh be careful of that, if you are really into the story or you just you don't want to be spoiled, uh avoid the arcade mode until you finish the campaign. But my read on this was a little different from Ginny's. You know, I didn't disagree with anything she said, but uh I saw this as kind of fixing all of the things that were broken in Advance Wars, because as much as I love Advance Wars Especially Advanced Wars Dual Strike was one of the most broken games I've ever played. Uh, you could do really dumb things in that by just setting your COs and your units upright, like winning in a single turn from halfway across the map by using Eagle and Summy together. And the less said about Cullen, the better. Uh, but that was Advanced Wars Dual Strike. And after Dual Strike came a game called Days of Ruin, which completely upended Advance Wars. And not just in terms of the theme and the tone, it was a much darker game, as you probably tell from the title. Uh, but they tried to change things like a strategy in Advance Wars 1, 2, and Dual Strike that worked really, really well was Infantry Spam. If your army wasn't like three-fifths infantry, you were probably a newbie, Uh, and Days of Ruin tried to address that by giving each unit like a veteran status, where the more kills they get, the stronger they get, so that way if you're up against somebody who's just flooding you with infantry, you end up with stronger tanks. Good idea in theory. It didn't work, because it was still infantry spam would win the day. And then they tried to tone down the power of the COs by having them be actual units that were on the map, kind of like Wargroove does. But Days of Ruin, I don't know what really happened there. It it wasn't the Advance Wars game that fixed the series, which I think is what they were trying to do. But after Days of Ruin, Nintendo just seemed to kind of give up on Advance Wars, and that might be because they didn't know what to do with it, or it might be because... Fire Emblem became a thing after that, pretty much. But Wargroove feels like the game that they were trying to turn Advance Wars into, and I really appreciate it for that. Uh, it, it fixes a lot of the brokenness from Advance Wars, like the city-capturing mechanic. If you played a lot of Advance Wars, how you capture cities in Wargroove is going to break your mind open, because <laughs> in Advance Wars, you would you would just drop a unit onto a city and you would capture it over the course of two turns. In Wargroove, if the city is not occupied at the, that time by one of your enemies, you can capture it in one turn. And But then once you have the city, you actually can't be in it as an actual tile on the map. It becomes kind of like one of your units and it actually attacks enemies for you when they try to invade it. it it's very... Oh, it's a whole thing. It's completely upended the metagame. Uh, Infantry spam is no longer a good idea, and even if it was, the maps have mostly been designed where you don't have that many barracks anymore, so you really can't infantry spam. If you try to, you're going to have a lot of weak units and a lot of extra money. Uh, They just seem to have really considered all the things that were, you know, Not great in Advance Wars from a competitive aspect. And I Mm. loved Advance Wars. I love Dual Strike. It's my favorite DS game. But that game was stupidly broken. And this game is not stupidly broken. At least not yet that I can find. And I'm really eager to see where it goes. They have a whole create a map mode in this now. Where you can actually create not just maps. You can actually create new campaigns complete with cutscenes and world maps to explore. I am very excited to see what comes out of that. And then there's the online play. Uh, You can play online hot seat. There's also asynchronous online. So if you want to play with one of your friends and you just play one or two turns a day and you just send them back and forth to each other when you have time, that's pretty amazing right there. That's a real advantage of a turn-based strategy game that surprisingly few turn-based strategy games actually let you do. But Wargroove has it. Uh, This is... A game I've been looking forward to for two years, and I am very happy it didn't let me down the way Tiny Metal did. This is abs- oh, no, <laughs> this is absolutely the second coming of Advance Wars. If you've been waiting for it,
0: um, and on on the asynchronous multiplayer thing, that is absolutely a thing I want to do. Yeah, mm. like that that is that is multiplayer as I would enjoy it. Yeah, I, I'll I'll be happy to set up some Switch Focus battles yeah. as well. Um, As soon as I get a chance to have a look at that that portion of it. So yeah, so three pretty positive uh, views on that, I think. So check that out. Okay, guys, what are we playing in this coming week?
1: I am going to try and get to Tales of Vesperia because <laughs> I really, <laughs> really want to. And everyone on my time has been tweeting about it and I feel so left out and I really want to play it.
2: It's so um, good.
1: <laughs> more Wargrove uh, because, again, I cannot stop. And more Tangle Deep. So basically a rerun of what I was meant to slash have played this week. It's just been a really great start to February, I think, game-wise yeah. for the Switch. Mm-hmm. And it's just been spectacular. I'm going to be occupied for weeks to come.
2: You know... Same three games for me, unfortunately. Uh, we'll we'll talk about something next week. I just don't know what. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um,
0: I am in between playing more Dark Souls, thinking about Dark Souls, and talking to people who don't care about Dark Souls about <laughs> Dark Souls. Uh, I will be playing a lot more Wargroove because that has definitely hooked me. I'm still early in, but the Claws are definitely in. Uh, and... I am going to tackle one of my RPGs in the backlog, but I'm I'm not sure what you guys are making me want to play Vesperia. And maybe that's a good option as a counterpoint to uh, Wargroove because I don't want to have two turn-based strategy games on the go at the same time. So <laughs> that, that could work out. It could be good antithesis of each other there. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it.
1: All right, um, so thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes because it's really going to help us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. If you want to, you can also join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community and also this week to play some asynchronous Wargroove multiplayer with everyone. So War check that out. Wargroove! <laughs> Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. We're gonna leave you links for that in the show notes. If you want to support the show, you can also buy us a coffee. I'll have the details on our website. Um people can follow us individually. Andy is at flame roast toast, andrew's at play critically, also streams at twitch.tv/slash play critically, and I'm Ginny at Ginny woes Thanks again for tuning in. More groove.